Marketing Insider, a Claritas podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. If you read the title of this episode before hitting play, you might say it's ambitious of us to think we can solve the dilemma of personalization versus privacy in a 30-minute podcast. But while we may not have the silver bullet answer for you, what you can expect from us is a real look at their current privacy laws and what they mean for your business when it comes to customer identity resolution, the non-negotiable steps you need to take as a marketer to ensure privacy compliance, how you as an individual consumer can protect yourself online, the best ways to adopt privacy as a focus across the entire organization, and a few dispelling of myths around what privacy compliance is and isn't. For this discussion, I'm welcoming back Claritas CTO, Al Gadbit. He was on the podcast nearly a year ago talking about this very topic, but even in just that short amount of time, privacy compliance rules and regulations have changed so much. Later on in the episode, we're going to welcome in Ben Isaacson, Principal of In-House Privacy, who provide on-demand privacy counsel and consulting to help keep companies up to date with the ever-evolving privacy landscape. First up, though, let me welcome back Al Gadbutt. Al, thank you for joining me again on The Marketing Insider. Well, Monique, thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. And while a lot of folks find this either scary or or, or dry and not, not all that interesting, there are a lot of things happening in the privacy uh, space in general. And um, I'm excited to be able to talk to you about it. It's definitely an important topic that affects all marketers. So again, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Before we jump into the laundry list of questions that I do have for you, can you just remind our listeners a little bit about what you do here at Claritas? <laughs> sure. Uh, so my, my official title is CTO. Part of the por- port- my portfolio responsibilities uh, is uh, uh, privacy and uh, regulation, but also in compliance. But also, I, I focus on the uh, productization of our ID graph uh, and our email business and trying to help create that bridge between our consumer segmentation and uh, the online world via uh, email and uh, ID graph. You're also part of a collaborative work group with other data providers in the industry to kind of help shape some of the changing privacy landscape while simultaneously proactively watching new developments that are coming out on the state and federal level. So since we talked about a year ago, marketers, they're kept up at night by more than just GDPR, CCPA. Um, Can you run us through what the new regulations are that are currently in the works and sort of what effects will they have on marketing strategies? I'll hit it at a high level. And in the end, the way I I view this, there's really kind of two pressures uh, within the industry. Uh, One, which is, you know, technology and and device manufacturer. So, I mean, we're getting changes within the browsers as well as the devices that, that people have. Um, and then at the same time, we're getting uh, we're getting new legislation coming in uh, from the states. Uh, at this point, the federal is kind of stepping back and watching what happens to develop in the states, with the idea that they'll probably end up doing something over the next couple of years. So uh, I'll break down both of those two areas. We've seen browser manufacturers, whether you're talking about uh, uh, Safari or Google. Mm-hmm. Um, putting out a lot of, of um, 
changes within their, their browsers as far as what information is available uh, and how you're going to be able to do things within the browsers. So for example, like setting cookies. Um, and there's, there's even more changes that are happening or proposed that are gonna happen. In terms of further anonymization, the environment is really focusing on privacy and, and creating a more private environment for uh, consumers. Uh, on the legislative front, you have, uh, uh, there, there's probably been two major uh, laws that have passed. One was uh, CPRA in California, which is was essentially CCPA 2.0. Uh, mm -hmm. The idea was that CCPA didn't go far enough. And under CPRA, it creates a new class of sensitive personal information. And those include the things that you would normally, you know, just think of course, like medical information, uh, phone numbers, uh, credit cards, and then on, on the demographic level, uh, things like, uh, you know, age, uh, mm -hmm. uh, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, so on and so forth. All of this now becomes under a protected class of uh, sensitive personal information. Um, and and there's a there's a whole series of of steps that that uh, people are going to have to take to ensure uh, that that people a have access to understand what information you're collecting, as well as giving people the option to uh, either delete, opt out, and under CPRA they're going to be given the right to correct. Then you look at at laws like um, uh, CDPA, which was the uh, Virginia law that um, again, creates a, a class of sensitive personal information, but what's different and, and really disruptive in the Virginia law is that it requires opt-in. So this is the first law in the United States that's on the books uh, that will require people who carry that type of information, anybody who is keeping that information in-house, will be required to get opt-in from the consumer to be able to do so. Uh, again, it's going to start looking like GDPR. This is a law that will take go into effect in January 2023. Uh, my sense is that, that uh, there will be some additional laws that will impact, that will be generated in uh, Virginia that will impact this and better define uh, CDPA. So I would say stay tuned. Yeah. It and I'm sure our listeners are kind of racking their brain to try to answer this question, but how can a brand ensure privacy compliance, given that there's been sort of this expanded definition of PII under new laws and, and what's yeah. coming out? Are there any easy steps to take to stay on the right side of the law? Or are there internal or external teams you suggest having in place to kind of help guide you? What can they do now? Yeah, you know, Monique, it's a great question because, you know, when what you're seeing is uh, the, the, the thrust of these laws are, are not just around what data is collected. It's also about what data is retained and when retained for how long. Right. Um, the, the, this, this whole conversation now is, is evolving around this, this idea of, well, if you're going to hang on to data uh, for any period of time, it, you can't do it in perpetuity. Uh, and, and if you do then there's going to be you know, potential risks or liabilities uh, for companies that, that, that go down that path. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you, when you ask, you know, what can brands do? Uh, 
a lot of them are doing it. And that is you're, you're seeing the greater presence of chief privacy officers or chief mm -hmm. compliance officers. Uh, so across the industry, people are, are becoming more uh, cognizant of where these laws are and, and what they need to do in order to stay compliant. Uh, there's, I would say there's no really easy cookie cutter thing you can do. There's, is, it's not like there's an app you can buy and, and then that's it. Um, that would be nice if there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would. So then along the same lines as that last question, how will the industry focus on privacy kind of effectively change the way that marketers can identify and engage consumers? There's the whole question of yeah. does do you have to choose between personalization and privacy and can you do both safely? Yeah, it's a, it, again, another great question. On the targeting front, you have companies like uh, LiveRamp and um, Google who are each uh, kind of putting out into the marketplace uh, two different approaches to consumer targeting going forward. Mm -hmm. um, Google is talking about uh, this idea of cohorts Surfing behavior will be tracked, but not as an individual, uh, but as a uh, as a device or, or, or uh, sort of an ID proxy for somebody, something. And the idea is that that the different sites that you visit are a composite of who you are, and therefore you can be targeted based on the resolution of the variety of different uh, websites that you visit. Uh, and, and through that, it, it develops a cohort. Um, interestingly, not too dissimilar from what uh, Claritas does from segmentation. Now I'll get to that in a second. The the second approach uh, is being thrown put out there by LiveRamp and TradeDesk in this uh, concept called ID 2.0, which is going to be a combination of, of um, uh, probably first party cookies and some other uh, identifier, browser level identifier. And, and it's not as clear cut as, um, as what some of the other strategies in the past, like, like cookies have been. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, these, these two concepts are kind of fighting themselves out. These, uh, consumer privacy laws, uh, are going to make it kind of interesting for people who, uh, are either buying targeting uh, buying segmentation uh, or carrying that type of information uh, within their, their own uh, CRM data. Because there's going to be a need, particularly in Virginia, for this opt-in. Uh, what's interesting about that, and, and, and as you look at a company like Claritas, we're very different from, from these other uh, organizations in the sense that we are selling a segmented uh, data set that is based on on a prism or a mm -hmm. amalgamation of what uh, we believe an individual looks like. So, in other words, we're not we're not tying. There's no specific information uh, that we have that says, for example, we know that your education level is X or that your religion is Y or that your marital status is is Z. We, we're not looking at that. We're looking at where you live and what the the averages are of people who look like you in your general neighborhood and in other neighborhoods that look very much like your neighborhood around the country. Right. And as a result, we don't have any any particular or specific personal information attributed to a given individual. Likewise, when you look at our, our ethnicity products, um, 
there are, there are companies out there who are applying uh, age and ethnicity to your file as a, an append, essentially transferring from what they know to your, that they keep on a national name and address file. They're appending ethnicity, um, race, uh, acculturation, uh, religion, what have you. They're appending that to a customer data set. Right. And I, I do think that's been a little bit of a misconception about syndicated segmentation. A lot of people are confused thinking that it is, you know, individual data that gives you the segments and, and that sort of thing. But like yeah. you said, it's modeled. So it's there's no individual PII in the segments that you would receive as a business to use for your targeting efforts. Okay, Monique, we get to switch seats then because you're saying it better <laughs> than I am. <laughs> well, that's why I'm in marketing. You're, you know, right. you've got the technical background. I've got the creative background. Clearly, clearly. clearly. Thank you. <laughs> well, Al, I think uh, that's a lot for marketers to chew on, but it also kind of puts us at a great place to take a quick commercial break and come back with Ben. So Thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you, Monique. And I look forward to uh, having the same conversation in a year. Excellent. <laughs> so stick around listeners, because when we come back, we'll be joined by Ben Isaacson of In-House Privacy. Hey there, marketers. We've been talking privacy in this episode of the podcast. And one way to stay on the right side of those rules and regulations is by leveraging identity graph intelligence to find and reach your best customers. In case you missed it, we have a white paper that goes into detail on how to use your identity graph to identify your best customers, deliver customized campaigns, and optimize results, all while making privacy a priority. Access the white paper through the link in our show notes or via our website, claritas.com, under the resources section of our insights tab. And now back to the episode. We're back from our commercial break, and I'm so excited to be joined by Ben Isaacson, principal of in-house privacy, whose mission is to provide companies with privacy professionals so they can stay up to date with the evolving privacy landscape. Ben, welcome to the Marketing Insider. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. So I've got a pretty sizable list of questions for you today because the topic of privacy is so hot right now. But let me start first by having you give a little bit of background into who you are in your areas of expertise since I just gave you a brief introduction. Thanks. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ben Isaacson. Uh, this is this July is the t my 25th year working on Internet privacy. I started out in 1996 as, as the first uh, internet industry lobbyist working uh, for the Association for Interactive Media, or actually it was the Interactive Television Association back then. Uh, and uh, if, over the last 25 years, I've seen just a dramatic change in the industry um, and gotten to a place now where my uh, organization provides kind of privacy gap fillers uh, for any company of any size, uh, from high-level strategic advice uh, to privacy operations to backfilling you know, privacy council positions that are that are needing to be filled, uh, or just helping companies build a privacy program. Very cool. I didn't realize you've been around since the beginnings of the internet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as you know, this month's podcast episode, it's centered around privacy. But why has this topic exploded over the past few years? We've kind of seen an increase in new regulations come out recently. So was there some sort of catalyst that kicked everything off? Um, yes. So the, the, what we've seen 
in the data collection space kind of mirrors what we're seeing in the data regulation space. So, uh, you know, uh, 10 years ago, we saw one zettabyte of data collected per year uh, online, and now we're seeing 35 zettabytes yeah. of data collected per year. Uh, and, and so, you know, for, for the past really um, 30 years of really commercialization of the internet, you know, we saw the first 10 years was purely learning and, and grow, you know, just trying to figure this thing out. The second 10 years was was that explosive getting everyone online, get every, you know, getting business models established. Uh, and now with the last 10 years, you know, it's pretty much maturity. And, and now, of course, regulations follow. So it's, it's a natural progression. But uh, but the internet collection, you know, issue is is data collection is really exponential and uh, and kind of uh, lit up the the you know the regulators' mindsets around the right. issue. So you you spoke a little bit about this when you gave us some background on you and in-house privacy, but I'm curious, what are companies coming to you uh, for help with most these days, and how are you guiding them through the privacy landscape? Well, I mean, you know, the last three years have been you know tremendously um, impactful with the GDPR really as the, as the initial uh, onset of change that, you know, required a global benchmark approach. Uh, and then the CCPA coming along, even though it's a California law, I think most companies have seen this as a federal, you know, standard uh, that they need to follow. And then this last year has just been unbelievable with the Apple iOS 14 changes, you know, the Google cookie deprecation proposal, right. Uh, and of course, the new state laws that we're going to talk about in California, Virginia, and most recently Colorado, uh, it has just been, you know, a, a hotbed of uh, of interest from uh, from all sizes of companies. You know, whether it's privacy by design for startups to large enterprises just trying to get their compliance under wraps, mm-hmm. um, and in, and it's been, you know, it's been great to see um, CEOs and, and as uh, you know, uh, you've talk to your you know, CTO, Al Gadbud, who deeply cares about privacy, to get the C-level interest in privacy has is, is been a long time coming and, and wonderful, to, in my opinion, to see. Right. So this might be one of those questions that doesn't really have a definitive answer, but what do you think the end goal is with privacy regulations? Is there more to it than just protecting consumers' online identities? Yes, and that's a great question, uh, and it really depends on your perspective. So I, I lived in Europe for a time right after GDPR came into effect, and and for Europeans, it's a fundamental right. It's not a compliance checkbox, uh, and uh, it it really focuses on privacy by design and understanding the mindset of the end user, the data subject, as you know, as they're called in Europe. Um, for Americans, uh, it's much more about just don't be evil, and <laughs> it's incredibly subjective. Uh, and and most companies try and reverse engineer that don't be evil from the bad actions into creating good policies, mm-hmm. which takes a bit longer to get right. And so we tend to rely, you know, often on industry self-regulation, you know, such as what we've seen with ad tech and the NAI and DAA, um, you know, self-regulatory efforts. Uh, and, and just the myriad of laws that have been proposed, both in the states and the federal Congress, that just take too much time to really get um, to, a, to a final resolution. I did read that since January of this year, more than 26, I believe it is, states have introduced some sort of privacy bill. And a lot of them have already died in committees, but several of them are still active. 
so aside from some of the newer ones that have passed, like you mentioned, the Virginia Consumer uh, Data Protection Act or CDPA, what do you foresee as the next wave of regulations that marketers will have to navigate? So, you know, this is a really tricky issue because, um, you know, we keep seeing states kind of one up each other on mm-hmm. privacy. And in fact, California has one upped itself on privacy <laughs> with the CPRA being being adopted last year and uh, it comes into a force in, in January. And so I, I think Al mentioned in, in his t- comments about the, the Virginia opt-in requirement for sensitive right. data. That sensitive also includes things like ethnicity and precise geolocation. And this is really the next wave that I think we're going to see is, is this notion that uh, consent should be required for certain types of data collection. Uh, and that could include ad tech, uh, in, 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 which has been in the crosshairs of a number of different states' uh, proposals. Um, and, and this kind of f- a notion that consent is a silver bullet is, is misguided, I believe, um, just as Apple's you know, uh, approach to consent for, for IDFA is somewhat misguided in the approach they've taken. Uh, and it doesn't consider the kind of the privacy architecture that companies are considering in context for when consent is meaningful and when consent is just plain annoying. <laughs> um, and so, you know, all these kind of pop-ups, uh, you know, that you go to with cookie banners and, and now with IDFA consent uh, on every app, uh, it, you know, consumers are getting annoyed about it in, in droves and which is leading to this consent friction. Mm-hmm. So this wave of what we're seeing is, I think is the pinnacle of consent right now may end up, you know, either leading to an outright ban, unfortunately, because they don't know how to get, uh, regulators don't know how to get around consent as a necessity, or we start to look at more meaningful and thoughtful regulations that that use consent as a tool and not a salvation. And there are other ways to, to you know, rely on um, marketers, you know, best practices and and context as a as a way of getting uh, awareness and use instead of consent, but that's that's a long way to go. Right. Uh, we know that tech companies, and you mentioned this, are now lobbying for federal laws around privacy, but they seem to be lobbying for ones that are a little bit less stringent than some of the state laws, like the ones we've seen come out of California. So, if and when a federal law or federal laws are passed. What will marketers on an individual basis need to follow, especially if they're operating on a national scale? Will federal trump state law or is there some sort of hybrid approach to remain compliant? Yes, I I was instrumental in uh, lobbying for the passage of the Can-Spam Act for email marketing in 2003. And, you know, for five years, even prior to that was bringing, you know, email marketers up to Congress to meet with legislators and and, and help educate around the necessity for a baseline email law that uh, preempted uh, the state laws that were popping up all over the country, including an opt-in law that came in California. And so we're, we're looking at the exact same scenario here where all these, you know, again, pop-up laws, including some opt-in provisions uh, around the states. But the problem is we're in a much different um, world than we were in in 2002, right. uh, you know, in, in the political landscape that just, unfortunately, they can't agree on anything right now. Um, so preemption is going to be a much harder um, 
you know, hill to climb on, I guess, pun intended on Capitol Hill, um, than, uh, than what we saw, you know, more than a decade ago or two decades, two decades ago. Um, so, you know, we're going to need a much bigger lobbying effort that we haven't even, we barely scratched the surface so far. So Facebook, you know, certainly putting some dollars behind it is great. Um, but in order to get a, a true federal law that preempts all these states, um, we're going to need, you know, 10 times more money than uh, poured into Congress than, than what we've seen so far. And just, again, the lobbying, you know, for, for anybody listening to this to meet with their local congressperson, go to Washington if they have to, um, and sit down and explain how these myriad of state laws are, are really too burdensome to, to comply with uh, by themselves. Um, otherwise, you know, we might get a federal law that uh, that doesn't actually preempt and doesn't change the the patchwork that we're now seeing and makes it too complex for companies to possibly comply with. Right. That's great advice. Get involved if you can. So, Ben, I think it's it's been a pretty eye opening conversation so far, and we've had a lot of great information come out of you and and sharing your your expertise. So we definitely appreciate it. But I do have one final question for you before I let you get back to keeping companies on the right side of privacy laws. So will we see more companies like Google and Apple making updates to the power that they're giving consumers over their data? And what will that mean for partners of those companies that use their platforms for consumer targeting purposes? Yeah, this is the question of the times today. And you know what Apple has pulled off with their iOS 14 changes is truly the first global internet regulation. Uh, they have taken it on themselves to try and enforce these policies around the world and, and have so far been you know, successful even in deterring you know, the Chinese, uh, for example, from, from operating uh, workarounds to these policies, and, which is absolutely unbelievable. Um, you, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, Google trying to deprecate, you know, the Chrome cookies. And now what we saw from the UK and the, and the Competition and Market Authority really giving Google pause in doing so showcases that there is still some friction around uh, companies trying to operate independently of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing this kind of tight balancing act, but but ultimately there's this notion that that Apple's putting forth, and they, again, they're putting ad dollars behind it too, with their, their even their TV ads that I'm seeing in the NBA NBA Finals right now. Uh, that first party data is good, and third party data is bad. That's a new privacy philosophy that that truly is novel and really subjective to Apple. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, I think Google's kind of trying to follow suit, perhaps for their own competitive advantage uh, as well. Uh, and, and a lot of companies are going to follow suit. So these walled gardens, or, or as Eric Sufert, you know, calls them, uh, content fortresses, uh, are going to be uh, e- much more prevalent. You know, and it's going to take a, a, a much more cohesive ad industry or marketing industry to come together to try and build our own, you know, open web fortress, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, to compete against, you know, these major platforms. Um, but it's, it's only the beginning, I think, of the, um, the operating system and browser wars with the open web as we know it. Right. Well, Ben, thanks again for joining me on the Marketing Insider. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Well, we appreciate you sharing just a small fraction of your knowledge with us to help make privacy a little more clear. And we'll, we'll definitely have uh, future episodes on this topic and more content on our website available around privacy. And hopefully we can tap into you to share even more of your, your knowledge when we uh, release those things. That'd be great. Thanks, Mike. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode. In addition to Ben, I want to thank Claritas's own CTO, Al Gadbit, for joining me on this important topic. But I also want to thank those of you listening at home or on the go. We'll be continuing the topic of privacy on our website, so if you're interested in learning even more, head over to Claritas.com. And if you've not already, please take a moment to follow, like, and subscribe to the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice, our favorite being Spotify, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. And with that, we'll see you next time with a brand new episode. Bye now. Bye.